Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water, and what is happening with climate change and your health. We're living on the planet Earth, and it is influencing the solar system. Water, fresh water on the Earth is the place where in the whole solar system has the water and life. And now they're learning that maybe Mars has water. Won't that be fascinating? On my next show, I'm having Dr. Dwayne Cecil, who's been with me. He's been with NASA, U.S. Geological Survey, now heading water research for the United States government here in the United States. They're concerned about people's concern about fresh water and better education and what we can do to understand the influence of the climate change that we're living with. Did you know that 5,000 children are dying a day without water? Over 1 billion people in our world do not have fresh water available. So you can imagine, and even in China, as affluent as our friends are there in China, they don't have fresh, clean water because it's so polluted. So we must learn together, and we've had some of the most wonderful guests that I can imagine in four years, 400 guests, no end of excitement from the United Nations, NASA, uh, different exploration, uh, individuals in exploration like Philip Picasso. I could go on with uh, Nobel Prize winners. We could have people, what we've had to learn, and we're on archive for you to come in and find out who they are and listen to what they've been learning because what you learn is going to be more proactive to your health, your reasons, to get up in the morning, place your feet on the ground, and live a very healthy, exciting day. Today I have Dr. David Snyder, who is a faculty physician in Santa Rosa, California. He's a family physician, and we're going to learn a lot about how to take better care of our health and better proactive thinking. Uh, He has his own radio talk show. He's very exciting, but today we're going to target nutrition, lifestyle, and good health. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that your eyes at the surface are 99% water? Not salt, water. You need to learn that with just a mist, you can hold it in your hands and mist. With Nature's Tears Eye Mist to supplement the eyes because what is dry eye? What is an allergy? Depletion of that water level. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with Dr. Snyder. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. In the beginning, the earth was dry. And then, life began with a droplet of water. The rains came, creating underground aquifers and fresh water on the earth. Moisture for life filled the air. Then, humans multiplied beyond the plan of nature. Today, only 1% of the world's water is fresh, and most of that is polluted. Without moisture in the air, the air indoors and out becomes dry. Insulated windows and walls, forced air heating and cooling dry the air. If the air is dry, eyes and skin are dry. Doctors worldwide report alarming increases in the symptoms of dry, irritated eyes. Researchers at Biologic Aqua Technologies have discovered that dry, polluted air accelerates moisture loss from the eye's protective tear film. Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Biologic Aqua all-natural tissue culture grade of water utilizes an entirely different approach to correcting tear film moisture loss. By misting the tear film surface with sub-microliter droplets of Biologic Aqua, natural moisture is restored to the tear film. Doctors and pharmacists recommend Nature's Tears Eye Mist for computer eye irritation, contact lenses, airline travel, and all other dry eye complaints. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. 
when your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua, absolute premium standard grade of pure all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. Safe, convenient, non-allergenic. Available at retail stores nationwide, naturestears.com or 1-800-4-MIST. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Snyder? Yes. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? And I want to thank you for joining us, and I'm really looking forward to... Uh, what you can teach us. I always think of this show as, as the laboratory that everybody can eavesdrop on uh, out there in the world listening of what we can teach them. And sometimes we think we know so much and we think we've heard it all. And when we approach it, to try to teach uh, the audience and the world out there, there are things you've heard, but maybe there's another way to listen to it so they can get very serious about their own individual health. And that's where I come from, and I know you do. But before we start, tell me about you. How did you get where you're at, and what are you doing? Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. So um, I'm a family physician, and I've been doing this for a long time. And basically, after I did my training in family medicine residency, which is where we trained to become family physicians. You know, surgeons go to a residency to become surgeons and cardiologists go to a cardiology residency and there's actually specific training to become a family physician. It's not the same as just a general practitioner. And so after doing that, I taught at family medicine residencies where I taught budding young doctors, hopefully to be very good physicians. And I've been doing that for most of my career actually. And I eventually made it up here to Santa Rosa in Northern California. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. And here in Santa Rosa, we have actually one of the premier family medicine residency training programs in the country. And uh, so I'm very pleased and honored to be able to work with these great people. Mm-hmm. Now, family medicine, before we get into learning more about our health individually, but there's a lot going on, Dr. Schneider, and the conversation of where are the doctors going to come from in time? Because we're losing a lot of doctors in the United States that either don't want to go into practice or are dropping out or be concerned about their insurance liability. How are we doing with family physicians? Do we have enough of them? That's a great question. And I think for the present and the future, No, we really probably don't have enough family physicians. Now, there has been something of an increase in family medicine residency training spots after we kind of decreased consistently for several years. So there has just in the last couple of years been a trend toward a slightly increased number of people going into family medicine. Mm -hmm. And part of this has to do with sort of the new models and future models of how care is going to really start in places like some people have heard this term patient-centered medical homes, and a lot of people don't really like that term. But the idea is basically that we need to get good primary care physicians to take care of people. And what's really interesting and what a lot of people don't realize about family physicians is we're not just kind of a general person out there who refers you to a bunch of specialists. There is abundant research data out there, lots of scientific evidence, that in regions of this country, and indeed all over the world, in regions where there are more family physicians and fewer specialists, there are better outcomes, fewer medical expenditures, and longer lifespans. And I don't want to knock my specialist friends and colleagues, because certainly without them, 
there are lots of things I can't do. Mm-hmm. But in areas where there are overabundant specialists and not enough family physicians, it's quite the opposite. You know, you just opened up a, a subject today I'm sure the audience is really fascinated with. The old world uh, had family physicians, and then all of a sudden our new world had all these specialists. And it's confusing to you when you go to a doctor and you want to have a relationship with your own doctor. And then all of a sudden the doctor has has been... um, Influenced and became vulnerable to, well, maybe because of my liability, I better send them to this one, I better send them to that one. So what happened is our family physician all of a sudden started outsourcing, possibly get rid of some of the liability. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Actually, I think that certainly describes some of the things that have happened over the last few decades. And there is definitely still... A significant amount of that going on. Than physicians. <laughs> yeah, and, you can open up the uh, elevator. And pages. the thing is, it's what happened with the lobbying of attorneys and uh, the liability insurance to the doctor who's trying to save our lives. Um, not our pocketbook, our lives. Because you, can, you can't pay enough to stay alive. So when you have a doctors in our country that have been um, intimidated and uh, let's just say almost bullied, with their health insurance, with their, I mean, with their own liability insurance, that all of a sudden it opened up a new world for all these specialists to increase costs. But then the, uh, all of us became so confused of who is our real, really our doctor. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's definitely a lot of truth in that, and I think you bring up some really good points about some of the reasons that medical costs have increased are really definitely the issue of uh, liability protection and sort of self-protection. We've done a lot of referral and ordered a lot of tests, and there's still a lot of that going on, and I'm hopeful that we can make some movement away from malpractice avoidance medicine and back to our good quality medicine, which we're doing and which we're teaching. So I think we're definitely on our way in in a better direction. Wonderful. And and before we get into our topic today in the family um, medical practice, I'm hoping there's a new uh, formula and manual for how when people receive when they come, how do you eat? How are you sleeping? Are you drinking enough water? Get them programmed to be proactive so that when they come to their doctors, they're getting questions of common sense before they go into telling them why they came to the doctor. And sometimes they don't come to the doctor until way late with the, with, uh, the complaint. But I, I just hope to God, I used to say to my doctors, uh, Dr. Snyder, years ago and my team and throughout the years, please, when you're talking to the patient, don't look at the chart first, look at the person's face first and look them in the eye. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great chart. advice. Well, because the, the individual, you have to look at the skin to see where they're coming from. You can almost see through the skin uh, the dehydration, and then the eyes begin to give you a response, and then look at the chart and see what the chart says with the tests. But anyway, today we're going to discuss one of my favorite subjects is nutrition, lifestyle, and proactive health and, and living a better life on this planet. What have you been learning about nutrition? Well, you know, I think the first thing that we ought to get right out there on the table is that most of what I learned when I went to medical school is not really accurate anymore, quite frankly. And I was in medical well, that school. Can happen. Re- that happens it in everything. Happen. Yes. Absolutely. It's time to grow into something else. Right. Most definitely. And I think that a lot of what's gone on really is that sort of growth. There's been a lot of evolution in our mindset as well as in the research. You know, when I was in medical school, one of the things they taught us was You know, taking a lot of vitamins makes your urine more expensive and doesn't really do any good for you. And fortunately, I think that we are beyond that, especially with certain vitamins and supplements. But Mm -hmm. more importantly, what I like to tell people and what I like to teach our residents and what I think a lot of people are doing, although I think we need to do more of, is encourage each other to eat the food. Eat real food, the real food that has the nutrients not only the macronutrients like the proteins and the, the correct fats, the good fats and 
the correct carbohydrates, the fiber and that sort of thing, but also the micronutrients, which are your antioxidants, your vitamins, your minerals and things like that. And sometimes it is a little bit hard to get all of what you need through your diet, but it's a great start. And Mm -hmm. really that's kind of what we were designed to do, so to speak, is to extract the nutrients that we can from the food that we eat. Right, right. And and we're learning. I, you know, how, Dr. Snyder, how do we teach each other and others uh, out there in the world to learn how, how, where are the education's at? Because it is confusing. There's so much. It's like uh, my concern is people want to run to the medicine cabinet too quick, and they don't want to be self-responsible. Take responsibility for your own health. If you've got a complaint, what, what is causing this problem? Think about it yourself first. If you need to keep a logbook on your own self and, and a daily diary about yourself that you can tuck away that nobody has to look at, but you're reminding yourself what you did, what you remembered that went right, didn't go right. But people got away from uh, life's survival uh, by going to the medicine cabinet. And what Judith told us, is we need to learn how to feel better by what we're eating and the nutrition that we're putting in our, to ourselves individually that we feel is right for us. It may not be right for one more member of the family or one more person you know, but what is right for you as a person? Um, and what is your daily routine? Uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but what is your daily routine? Because you, you have a very busy schedule. Uh, you get up in the morning, you place your feet on the ground, and how do you begin? Well, you know, that's a great question, and I think that one of the important points here to get out there is to eat a good, healthy breakfast. I mean, you know, it's not the first thing I do. I have to do my general bathrooming and all that sort of thing, but once I've got that down and I'm ready to sort of actually be awake, which may take me a little longer than it takes some other people. And I hope you had your first glass of water. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I drink plenty of water, and I encourage people to drink plenty of water. That starts out right at the beginning of getting up. Start in the morning and do it through the day, and in fact, yeah. well, maybe we'll talk about water instead of sodas later on, but let's, let me finish okay. answering your question here. Is a good, healthy breakfast that consists of some protein and not a lot of carbohydrates, particularly sugary stuff, right. is a great way to start a day, and it's That's not sugar. only... Yeah. Pardon yeah. me? Well, sugar. I had Dr. Ellen Taylor from Tufts University, who's a leading uh, studying the world and your eyes and nutrition. And mm-hmm. they're finding that sugar is at the top the worst problem there is to eyes. Yeah. You know, sugar is really a bad problem for a lot of things. And maybe a lot we'll, of things. we'll get to talk about that okay, too. We'll t- yeah. Go ahead. But oh, I did want to mention that one of the important things about breakfast that a lot of people don't realize is. One of the very few things that you can do that consistently increases your metabolism is to eat a good, healthy breakfast like this. Mm-hmm. People who don't eat breakfast thinking that they're going to help lose weight by not eating breakfast, it actually messes up your metabolism, changes things around. Mm-hmm. Your body still thinks it's starving from the night before, and so it lays down more fat and makes more sugar, and you get more insulin and insulin resistance, and it's this vicious circle thing, as opposed to if you have a nice, healthy breakfast, now, let's such as... Now, right there. Well, yeah, what yes. would they eat? You know, everybody's always in a hurry. And, and, and I yep. will tell you, I've been studying nutrition for over 35 years. Mm-hmm. I take whole food supplements. I get mm-hmm. up, have my glass of water, have my whole food supplements. I do my little thing and get ready and go to work. Um, but what do you? what is the, uh, some of the good things to eat that people know they can do in a kind of a, a hurry and um, get to what they need in on the first meal of the day. Yeah, there's, there are so many choices. I mean, a good oatmeal, for instance, and if you don't like the organic steel-cut oatmeal or it's too expensive for you, fine. Get whatever you can afford and whatever works for you. And, and how oatmeal, much do they need so much? Let's say it is the quality of the food you're after. And mm-hmm. for the nutrition, do you have to fix so much oatmeal? Just enough no. to get, and then you can have a slice of good old, really good uh, toast. 
Yep. Am I following? And then, and maybe, um, you know, something else I've been studying is teas uh, rather than coffee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, uh, really, and we need to learn more about those teas, which one would be good for us at times of day and, and the morning and which makes it da-da. But then and maybe a little bit of sliced fresh fruit. It doesn't have to be the whole fruit, but just a few slices that you could put in the oatmeal or put it on the side and then make sure you're satisfied with getting enough and, and, and to make you feel like you ate enough. And it doesn't have to be so expensive if you're not being a glutton at the first meal. Did you follow me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, in fact, I would say that you could do things that will help you fill up and not feel like you have to be a glutton and get you ready to go for the day. You can have those few slices of fruit, and, you know, you can get dried fruit at your favorite, you know, big box store or little box mm-hmm. store from your backyard or from your farmer's market or whatever. Right. You know, we like dried figs. Sometimes we cut up some dried figs in the oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do dried apricots. You can do raisins. You can get raisins mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you can't afford the really expensive ones, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. pardon me? Mm-hmm. Cranberries. Cranberries, dried, dried cranberries. cranberries, fresh, all that. And then the other thing that I would say that's really good to put into your oatmeal is nuts. Mm-hmm. And to take some good, healthy nuts, for instance, walnuts. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of great research on, on nuts and berries. Mm-hmm. And so if you have blackberries, mm-hmm. raspberries, walnuts, certain other types mm-hmm. of nuts, these are actually not only healthy for you, but they got protein, they got some of the healthy fats, at least some of the nuts do. And they did experiments on rats where rats that showed signs of dementia when they were fed certain nuts and berries, they actually showed less signs of it. So okay. we're not rats, but this is amazing, remarkable info. No, 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 but remarkable we are organism. And uh, the yes. thing about we need to learn is uh, that nutri- I have a doctor on my team is a private practice, and he's an ophthalmologist, surgeon. And mm-hmm. Dr. Payton, and he got, became a vegan, and he because he'd had some, a heart attack. Well, all of a sudden he found that he's getting better, and oh my gosh, he just was surviving and doing fabulous with lots of energy he never had before mm-hmm. on vegan, vegan. In his practice with his patients, with macular degeneration, diabetics in their eyes, I could go on and on, they're improving because they're changing their diet. Absolutely. And, you know, this is, and this gets back to one of your earlier points that you made. Let me just throw this out at you and at the audience. Is if I had a pill that could do the following things I'm going to tell you about, you would want to go out and get it right away. You would, if it was over the counter, you'd get it. If it, you, it could be prescribed, everybody would be asking their doctor. So here's treatments that I could offer you that will reduce cardiovascular disease by over 70%, reduce diabetes by over 90%, reduce high blood pressure by 75%, reduce death from any cause by and over possibly 65%. blindness because they're, um, we, I've been in the eye research for a lot of years now and also and we're finding that nutrition has an influence on your eyesight. It does. There's, there's a little bit less of the type of evidence that I've looked at for the vision, but there certainly is some, and especially because a lot of the vision problems occur in people who have diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, I could go on and on. We can on reduce death. We can reduce cancers. That's and the way that said. we can do all these is lifestyle. That's what they've said. That's mm-hmm. what, well, it's just like they said uh, some of the cures for cancer recently was going into the molecule in the cell and studying that particular uh, called soldier, uh, uh, you're going to have to help me, um, T-soldier cells. And uh, the thing about it is, is we've got to learn, audience, you, what you eat is who you are. If you get angry, ear easy. If you get blurry and tired, easy. If you can't sleep well, if you're finding yourself uh, not feeling like the one uh, the, uh, uh, agile, uh, flexible. Stop and think about what you're eating, and maybe what you love to eat isn't really good for you. Even if it tastes so good and it made you really high for a while, maybe you came down in a hurry and it wasn't so good for you. Now, the one other thing before we move on to their nutrition, what I think is fun for breakfast now. Uh, Dr. Snyder, I have been studying nutrition for a long time and been married for 48 years to a man from Holland. So everything I do is thinking about I'm going to give him this nutrition, this nutrition, and, and all these things. But for breakfast, one of the things I like to do 
is give him his fruit on, like uh, uh, arugula, uh, fruit on some um, dark-leafed spinach. Uh, so I get him, I, I sneak that in there with his fruit, fresh fruit for breakfast. Uh, he'll have a, I'll fix up whatever to go along with it, but I always make sure I sneak in some of those dark greens even at breakfast. And it's delicious. And it is, and it's a great idea, and you can, you can do the same with your kids if they don't want to eat it. You find ways to hide the stuff that, uh, that they might be afraid of if you just put it alone on the plate. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was a guest at a YMCA health fair, and uh, the kids were coming through, and I'd take the little one, a kid by their arm, and the mother was standing there, and I'd start saying, do you know what water is? And they'd look at me, doctor, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I started them out with, did you know your water? Mostly water. And then I moved them into nutrition and getting them away from thinking sugar, get them to toward other things they might like for their, to whet their appetite, and put baggies in the refrigerator just for the children each with their name on it. And then when they get up in the morning and they have fruit, and I, I mentioned to so many of the children, how would you like to have spinach with your fresh fruit in the morning? And they looked at their mother and they said, yes, Mom, and uh, put some cranberries on it, and like you said, some nuts. Can you imagine what you could do with a good slice of good old bread? Here in Oregon, Dr. Snyder, we have what's called Dave's Killer Bread. Oh, and I know Dave's. Du- oh, you know Dave's Killer Bread? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And I That's had him great. on my show about two years. Well, it was almost when he first came out with his bread. And he's got the spelt bread, the, the, the whole grain, heavy grain bread. He's got the full of seeds bread. Oh, the raisin bread is to die for. And if you ever want to make French toast with some of his bread, it's unbelievable. Mm. And you don't have to put any sugar on it. But mm-hmm. again, back to you teaching us. Now, for let's say we get them through breakfast and they've got a hurried lunch again. And they, mm-hmm. they have to go to fast food or they go to something fast. They want the social life to go sit in a restaurant or whatever. Teach them how to order. You know, that's also another great issue. In terms of how to order fast food, my first recommendation is go somewhere else. If you can't. (laughs) But if you're a guest and you're going in with your friends, they have a lot of salads today. Right, and and that's that's the best thing that you can eat at many of those restaurants is to get the salad, and if you want to, you know, kind of spice it up a little bit, get it with a, a little bit of cheese or a little garbanzo beans or, you know, a little mm-hmm. whatever else. But it's interesting, in the 80s, somebody did a study looking at people who went to salad bars, and if you're not careful at a salad bar and you put lots and lots of the heavy calorie items on, like lots yeah. of cheese and lots of things, yeah. you can actually get a salad that's as many calories or more yeah. Than the burger. Now, yeah. that may be true. And harder to but, digest. <laughs> yes, right. But it, but we know now that it's also a lot more than calories. So if mm-hmm. it comes down to eating the same amount of calories at the salad bar versus the burger or the fried this or the whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, go to the salad bar. Mm-hmm. And if you are just absolutely uninterested and unable to get the salad bar, if they have at the place you're at, a piece of chicken that's not breaded, that's not fried, that's grilled or something like that, get that and bail on that white bun Mm -hmm. because that's basically the white buns and the white breads. They're not Mm -hmm. like Dave's Killer Bread, which is wonderful. They're not like down here in in Petaluma. (laughs) Hey, you will have the two of you on together sometime with me because it's fun. um, We have a thing about Dave and his Killer Bread around here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I go up to Oregon frequently, and uh, we, we get Dave's Killer Bread up there, and it's wonderful stuff. Oh, and, yeah. You know, where people live, you know, uh, right here in Petaluma, it's a half hour from me, we've got a bakery, Alvarado Street Bakery. They make a bunch of different breads, including low-carb, high-fiber, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. There's probably a bakery near you. I don't just mean you, Sharon. I mean our uh-huh. listeners. Uh-huh. Somewhere in the neighborhood that produces good, healthier stuff than they sell at the fast food restaurants or than the right. white breads that you typically get. And so I encourage people, if you're going to splurge a little bit we call and you don't want to hey, go too Snyder, far, Dr. With Hayden either. and I call that, if you're going to cheat for the moment, <laughs> remember yes. you're paying for a cheat, but you've got to make up for it later by not cheating the next round. 
<laughs> I, that's very good advice, too. Don't cheat. Very good Always. advice, too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, now let's talk about uh, dinner, and then we're going to go on to digestion, because I want them to hear how they got to figure this out. In other words, when you get in the, up in the morning, you're going to remember what you eat for breakfast. Then when you go to have lunch, you're going to remember what you had for breakfast and what you had for lunch. And you're mm-hmm. also going to remember how many glasses of water you had. Then you're going to have an evening meal because you want to sleep well. Because imp- sleeping is so important. We've had people on a specialist in sleeping, learning how to sleep. Don't make it just nature sleep. Learn how to go to sleep. But what would they have for dinner? And what time is the best time to have your meal? You know, you should, if at all possible, finish your dinner at least three hours before going to bed. Mm-hmm. At, at the very least, you should at go least. for two hours. Yeah. Um, and that's not always possible. And, in fact, that's a place where I fall down. I, I don't get home until late. Uh, I'm doing all kinds of work and things like that, paperwork and computer work and administrative mm-hmm. work for the place I teach, the residents. Mm-hmm. And many of your listeners are going to have the same problem. So right. if it's really late, I encourage you, to eat a dinner that is not too rich in fat, is very low in starchy and and or sugary carbohydrates, and is not too large in general. You know the old thing that they used to say, oh, if you eat and then go to sleep, it just kind of sits there? Well, it doesn't necessarily just kind of sit there, but your body isn't ready to use it if you're sleeping. So your body takes all that energy and says, hmm, what are we doing? We're sleeping? Store it up. And what is stored calories? Turns into fat. Right. So... If you, if you can, eat earlier, eat a good, healthy dinner that's got ideally no more than about four ounces of your protein. That's about the size of your palm or a deck of cards or something uh-huh. like that. And I'm actually so glad that the food pyramid has gone away and they went toward the food plate. They're actually getting The only much thing they closer. didn't do, doctor, is have a glass of water. <laughs> They didn't, and that's one they of the things didn't. that they you missed. You and I have got to do something. I've been telling the world, this is crazy. I waited all those years for the next one, and I thought, well, you, the next one. They didn't even have a glass of water. They didn't, and in fact, what they did have is they had a glass of milk. I and noticed that's, that. <laughs> that's a mistake. That's a mistake. In fact, three-fourths of the world is lactose intolerant. Yeah, we're going to have to take a break for our sponsor. And then we're going to come back, and you're going to teach our audience why it was a mistake to put milk on there, because I know it. Many people don't know it. We're going to listen to our sponsor here in a minute, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to teach them also what they're eating. They have to think about digesting it so it doesn't sit in around the abdomen. I don't even care if you're thin. You don't want it sitting there. And we'll be okay. right back, Dr. Schneider. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eye, all natural, without an eye drop, no saline, with just a mist. Did you know your eyes need quenching, just like your body needs a thirst of water? The eyes also, it's new evidence in discovering that Nature's Tears Eye Mist gives your eyes a mist. We'll talk, we'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Schneider. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at World Talk Radio or twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. 
That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Snyder, we were talking about the evening meal, and before I go on to my next question of you, and you're really good as a teacher, but I can see why you're a natural-born teacher. Um, Thank you. People need to learn what they eat for breakfast, and they need to keep that in their mind. And then as they come through the day, how many glasses of water they're drinking, counting them, getting into lunch, but getting into an evening meal. Uh, now, on that evening, with the evening meal, before we leave them, what do you think that meal might be? Let's say they're not going to be able to be in bed for three hours ahead of time uh, or eat three hours ahead of time. It's only two hours. What do you recommend the meal should be, though? Because there's a difference between I'm going to teach them something here. If you get to eat way before, hours before you go to bed, then there's one meal. If it's three hours before you go to bed, there's another meal. But if it's only two hours or an hour before you go to bed, there's got to be a particular meal that is so excellent, satisfies the individual, and, of course, our taste buds are very vulnerable to us. What do you recommend for the person who's not going to be uh, only two hours before they go to bed? You know, uh, again, uh, I think that what we, one of the things we have to do is we sort of have to take the, each individual's likes and dislikes into account. But the general principle, and I like general principles because they're generalizable, the general principle that I might take with a person like that is to say, okay, you want as little fat as possible, and if you're going to use fat, I'd say use a little good quality olive oil, and I would say pour it on some vegetables that you have perhaps steamed or not done a whole lot of, junk and put a whole lot of stuff into little steamed vegetables, a little microwave vegetables, a little salt, a little pepper, a little olive oil, mm-hmm. you got yourself a meal. Mm-hmm. Low in fat, if you want to put a little bit of protein in it, you can do that, but make sure it's a good quality lean protein, mm-hmm. something like beans, but you know the good fiber and lots of water, plenty of water, mm-hmm. and don't drink too much wine too late because it actually makes you sleep less. And as you alluded to before, good sleep helps you lose weight. Not sleeping makes you gain weight. Well, good sleep so. helps you digest your food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that's what we're moving into, the word digestion. You know, I always teach this. Uh, the moment we're born, we came into that delivery room away from the pocket of water in our mother. And then all of a sudden, doctor, can you imagine why the baby's really crying? oh, my gosh, they're naked because they don't have any more water. The, the comfort zone is gone. The whole comfort that they've had for all that time is no longer there. They're in the air we're living, which is very challenging air. It's polluted. It's not clean the way it used to be, way back in time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we're having to grow from that moment on into living in the air and living with a dehydration. No two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike. We're different. Each person has their own uniqueness. That's exciting. But when we have to think about the body being mostly water, how do you digest food if you're not learning what is good for you and what isn't good for you per person? Because maybe, Dr. Schneider, you can eat something I can't eat. Maybe every member of my family can eat something I can't eat. Um, But what tastes good doesn't always mean it's good for us. Absolutely true. So what we have to learn is it's got to be digestible. Teach our audience. Now, we've heard the word digest. We've heard the word detox. We've heard the word enzymes and detoxification. But teach our audience what the word digestion means. How do you digest? Well, digestion is basically the way that your body is going to take the nutrition and food that you put in and extract out the nutrients and put them into your body and take the stuff that's non-digestible, which is largely things like fiber, which is good for you because it helps keep your bowels moving and helps take out some other toxins and nasty things. And that's basically sort of the overall summary of what digestion is. Take out the good stuff. And it's not that you're leaving the bad stuff because, unfortunately, we absorb a lot of that bad stuff that's in our food, water, and air that's put there by industrial polluters and things like that. But, you know, really what we want to do is take in good food so we can get good nutrition. And, and is the this, is this signal kind of after you eat you don't feel so full? 
that, that if, you, if you feel full, that's going to be tougher to digest. But if you can eat well and eat right and don't feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm full, eat to satisfaction. But sometimes we just, I, the word glutton sounds funny to me. I never, in fact, I don't think I've ever said it before but, but, uh, until today. But it, it, we've got to learn to be satisfying and not eat so much at the time we're eating so we know that we can digest what we're eating. And, you know, what we, I was talking with the United Nations about in the world where they don't have water to drink and, and any water at all or clean water. Can you imagine whatever they're eating, whatever little food they have, they can't, that's why those pot bellies on the individuals who are malnourished and dehydrating to death because they cannot even digest their own digestion. And uh, that's the other thing, doctor, that people have to realize. If you didn't eat at all that moment, you gotta still digest whatever you've got in your body. What many of us over in the last days or maybe even a week later somewhere, but a week earlier. But, and then the other thing we were talking about is that you, and you follow me and you correct me now, but you don't flush the toilet as much as our skin filters the digestion. Am I right or wrong? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, our skin filters and expels more through the skin, through uh, detoxification, if you're drinking enough water, then you actually flush the toilet going to the bathroom. The skin is your filter system. The skin is really an amazing organ, and it does help excrete some toxic things that certainly go out through the skin. And you're right that that happens more when you drink more water. You know, which is why I tell people to drink more water and drink less soda. Um, you know, what happens in the in the intestines with all the stuff that you flush down the toilet is a lot of that is not toxins. Most of that is bacteria, which are there to help kind of digest and break down things. And then the leftover fiber that was non-digestible. So a lot of the toxins get into your system. So how do they get out of the system? Well, they get out of, mainly in three different ways. One is sometimes they can get through the skin. Another is that they're broken down largely by the liver, and toxins that get broken down by the liver can sometimes actually damage the liver, so you don't have good liver function if you eat more toxins. And then once they've been broken down by the liver, they can be dealt with either by the skin or the third major way, which is through the kidneys, which excretes them in the urine. Now, we take in enough toxins that, tragically, we can't get rid of all of them through any of those methods. And so that's, I think, one reason why there's some more diseases and more feeling sick and more problems. So. We have, uh, we're out of control um, today. Uh, it just amazes me how all the education, all the money that's been spent, that people haven't wiped up about what they need to do as individuals to feel better. And it's so simple and it's not expensive. Can you imagine the health care costs in the world would be less? People would live longer. Wouldn't it be something if I could study well enough, Dr. Schneider, that you could live to be maybe 180 and you just decided that I've lived long enough, I want to go, I know I look young, I feel good, but I decided I learned everything. (laughs) This is a boring world. I'm 180 years old. But anyway, back to uh, digestion. The digestion. Now, tell me about the colon. Where does the colon tell our audience? Now, we've learned about colon cleansing. Mm-hmm. What is the activity of the colon with everything we just said? Well, you know, the colon is sort of the end pathway of the digestive system. And in terms of detoxification of the colon and all that, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of that. I'd say that if, it were, if you do it and you feel better, great, go ahead and do it. Again, what I'd say is, hey, you know what, if you eat good, healthy foods and drink good, healthy water, you may mm-hmm. not need all that extra colon cleansing because what right. happens in the colon is we've got all of our bacteria that live there it's, and help us. It's sort of our second biomass, some people call it. It's a large mass of living bacteria that help digest the rest of what came through, break it down, and help it so that it can pass through. So that what we excrete is largely bacteria and largely what we can't digest. So, as I said, uh, I don't think the evidence supports 
colon detoxification, but I know people who have done it. They feel better doing it, and as long as you're safe and not getting problems with it, I don't have a problem with it. Also, then, uh, with the uh, the body and its nutrition and detoxifications, and I, I I'm I'm very <laughs> I've learned in my life, doctor, to say if you don't detoxify, the the toxin backs up in the cells and becomes crappe. Okay, manure. Excuse me. I want the audience to realize how serious this is. So, therefore, they've even had some studies in cancer that if you isolated out of the 50 trillion cells, one million of them, what we'd find in them would be startling in the body. That is true. We've got all kinds of nasty stuff in our body, and nasty. we've been doing it for a long time. And uh, and we this is where a show like this one is so important with you today because we're learning how to eat the nutrition. We've learned how to detoxify and, di- and digest and we're coming along now to sleep. Um, the, another factor that we're finding out in eye research is the toxin in the body is causing an overload to the whole body. And the eyes are, because the eyelid is open and ex- exposed to the air all the time where that 99% water is on the surface of the eye in the tear film, and it's full of toxin. How do you get rid of it? You can't do it with an eye drop. There's only one way, water. Well, they are coming along, and we're finding that when you close that eye organ, eyelid, it gives a chance for the eyes to back up some water and swish around in there, do its own little nature. But when you go to bed at night, it gives you a chance to rest, close the eyelids, and give the eyes a rest. And Dr. Snyder, can you imagine how many people are sitting at a computer that need that badly, that good sleep, that good sleep? And tell us what you've been learning about a good, healthy sleep, sleeping a good, healthy amount of hours and and making up for it. If you didn't get enough during the week, make it up on your days off. That's really important for good health for so many reasons. You know, as I alluded to and mentioned a little bit earlier on, there's quite a bit of research showing that when you sleep more, you and you sleep have better quality sleep as well, you end up more able to live a healthy life, to lose weight, or at least to not continue to gain weight, which is something that we all do as we age, and we all sort of need to fight. And many of us do it very successfully. On the other hand, the research shows exactly what you'd expect in people who don't sleep well. Not only is their physical health not well, Their mental health is also problematic. There's more depression. There's more anxiety. There's more all sorts of problems. And so the benefits of sleep are so broad that all I can say is get your restorative sleep if you can. And I have to give a little self-disclosure. I don't get enough sleep. I work too much. I don't get enough sleep. But this is one of those do as I say and not as I do. (laughs) (laughs) And how old are you? I'm 51. I'm, six, I'm 70. Well, you know, uh, I find myself uh, thinking more and more and more, but when you go to bed, it's the quality of sleep, doctor, that is so vital so that when you finally do this. Now, I noticed in some of your things I was reading about you that you also uh, do, do meditation. I do. I'm actually an instructor and uh practitioner of mindfulness-based stress reduction or mindfulness meditation. Okay, now, before you go to bed, uh, a person goes to bed, they could learn how to give a moment to that. It's getting away from everything you did that day and doing something that gets you prepared mentally of the excitement of putting those covers back and getting into bed like nature. You know, uh, years ago, uh, doctor, I was on, uh, we live in Oregon in the Rogue River Valley in southern Oregon. Oh, by the mm-hmm. way, you like Shakespeare. Yes, big Shakespeare buff. You I know where to I'm, every I'm year. only 45 minutes from Ashland, the Shakespearean Theater. Great. The, you know, the most famous theater in the country, uh, Ashland and, Shakespearean Theater. But anyway, uh-huh. back to uh, here in the Rogue Valley is um, is a, a meditation of life, the nature of life. And I was watching a little a deer with his little fawn. And the, de- and the deer got the little spot ready for the fawn, and the fawn laid down, and the fawn slept. 
then when the fawn was all done, the deer went back, the the doe went in and wiped the area and made it nice and ready to go. And they took off for a while so people wouldn't probably hopefully know they were there, but of course the scent was there. When we go to bed, we should also do that. Make sure the bed's made when we get out of bed. Make it the way we feel good about it. And then when you go back to bed, you're lifting back the covers, getting ready for the moment to go to bed with nature and, and rest. Get everything out of your head. So your meditation teaching is so important. It could be prayer at the moment, meditation, anything. Reading a book for the moment that gets you off the subject. Anything to get you to go to bed and, and forget about what you were doing that day and at least get started in your sleep with a really good sleep, quality sleep. Make the pillows inviting. How do you, how do you sleep with your pillows? Pillows can be a lot of fun if you want to move them around you and stuff them around you just to give you that little comfort zone so that you die, go into the nature of sleeping. And, uh, but again, they've proven now that how you sleep is so important to uh, your every day. Uh, so it's the nutrition, uh, digestion, uh, getting along in your sleep, the amount of water. Now, but we're, we have a little more time. Uh, tell us about some of the things that you probably had on your list today that you want to make uh, sure we don't forget that we're listening to. Well, you know, we've covered a lot, and food and nutrition and lifestyle are so important and so broad that I could probably talk with you about them all day. You know, I know. We could it's answer fun. more questions and I could bring up more points. But uh, let, me, let me bring up a, a few other things that might be of interest to people and might be some things that people don't know. And, you know, maybe there are some things that people have heard before. You know, I, I mentioned before all of the great reductions in bad health outcomes and improvements in health that we can get by doing lifestyle changes, but a lot of people wonder, you know, what are the actual lifestyle changes? What do you, what do you have to do? And in all these studies, there's been a variety of different approaches, but some of the lifestyle things are very consistent that bring us all this great health. Of course, a healthy diet, which we've talked about. I wanted to throw in just a little bit more about a healthy diet because, as I'm sure you know, there are as many people touting as many healthy diets as there oh. are... It's confusing, yes. So it is confusing, and it's very confusing, and people ask me all the time, and a lot of people, a lot of the doctors that I work with and teach, they have all their own ideas, and many of them are right. So there's not just one healthy way, but I think there's a couple of good general rules that will help our listeners. So the first one we started to talk about before was the food plate, and finally the Department of Agriculture, the FDA or whoever it was. Oh, our the, food, the food pyramid. Plate. Yeah. The pyramid has, has been bad for decades. They finally oh, got yeah. it close with, yeah. We, we hey, they didn't call the us in, so did bad. they? <laughs> no, they didn't ask either one of us or a lot of no. other people who did. So, but they did get a few things very, pretty darn close on the food plate. And here's what I want to emphasize to people. If you do look at that side or look at the food plate, here's the good part of it. You should think of every meal this way. Half of your meal or half of your plate should be vegetables and fruits. Now, you'll notice that I don't say fruits and vegetables. Everybody says fruits and vegetables. When you look it up, it says fruits and vegetables. And fruits and vegetables, it just kind of comes rolling off the tongue. I take the slightly less tongue-rolling vegetables and fruits because I want people to emphasize the vegetables. And you and dark green. Before, yeah. It's their green. You know, throw the spinach or the grated zucchini. My wife grates up some zucchini in our scrambled uh, eggs or in our omelets yeah, in the morning. Yeah. And, and leave the skin on the zucchini. That's a great way. Yeah, yeah. Leave the skin on. It's got fiber. It's got nutrients. It's green. And, Dr. And, we just said something, too, that a lot of people, to get at one of those scrub brushes and, and brush off all of your vegetables... Uh, if they have a skin, and try, if it's not a tough skin, keep the, leave the skin on it. Yes, leave the skin on it. Of course, there's some inedible skins, like some yeah, of those right. there will winter be. squashes and things. Yeah, but right. um, the skin is a great source of food, and I say that intentionally because food is what we're talking about. You know, eat the right. food, I keep saying. So in a, in a couple of minutes, I want to get to one of my big rules, one of my general lifestyle rules that I think everybody can remember, but I want to finish this a little bit about the plate. Half should be vegetables and fruits, and then the other half 
split that in half, so you got two quarters, and about half of that should be real whole grains and or nuts. Now, mm-hmm. people leave out the nuts, and as I mentioned before, what about seeds? a lot of nuts what are healthy. What about seeds or, like uh, sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds? What about seeds? Oh, I consider those whole grains. Whole grains, nuts, and seeds. Those okay, are there we go. Because people will wonderful. lose you. They'll, think, they'll forget the seeds. The seeds, it's like, kind of like our Dave's Killer Bread seed, uh, seeds. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so when you're looking at your breads, if you want to make that your whole grain bread, that's fine. But instead of getting the mass-produced whole grain bread, that when you look at the label, and I encourage you to look at the label and look at the number of servings when they tell you about this, it should have at least... Three, four grams of fiber and not so much carbs. And when you look at the actual slice of bread, there shouldn't just be a couple of little seeds glued on the top. When you slice into that, there should be things in the bread that you recognize. A piece of a sunflower seed here, a piece of a, of a nut or seed there. That's your true And doctor, they bread. can tell the difference between the slice if it weighs something. <laughs> if it weighs something. If it, and it's going to be holding thinner and it, still weigh more. It's got a little weight to it. It's got something in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So you got, we've now got three quarters of your plate or, or your meal done, right, with all right. kinds of healthy stuff. So the last quarter is your protein, and we want you to choose healthy proteins. The best quality of the protein is the lowest fat. So if you're a vegan, tofu is great. If you're a vegan and you like to eat beans and garbanzo beans, black beans, whatever, those can all count as your mm-hmm. protein, and mm-hmm. they're great in fiber. So they're kind of a double Right. Whammy, but a double yeah. good whammy. So, you know, if, you, if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, hey, what the heck, have some of this for your meal anyway. If right. not, if you're going to have healthy fish or skinless chicken, and you can, you know, some people say take the skin off before you cook it. Let's be realistic. It's going to taste a little bit better and be a little bit more tender if you cook it with the skin on. Just take it off before you eat it. Right, right. And don't eat too much fatty red meat. Right. So that leads to the, the last point. Uh, well, it may not be the last point, but I definitely wanted to at least get this point in because I have sort of an easy-to-remember formula for healthy lifestyle, my 543210 rule for healthy lifestyle. And it's something that everybody can do. Five servings of vegetables and fruit a day, servings about as big as your palm or so, at least four days of exercise per week. Five is better, but, hey, four fits into my little mnemonic better, right? Five, four. The three is three different colors of food. Eat a rainbow a day. You got red foods, you got green foods, you got yellow orange foods, you got purple foods. Leave the skin on if you can. Eat a rainbow a day. Three colors, minimum. Two grams of sodium at the most. One portion of food. Don't go back for seconds. And it's a double zero. No trans fats, no cigarettes. Now we right there, if you can't remember anything else. Keep away from the alcohol and anything to do with uh, any... Anything at the medicine cabinet, be healthy. Uh, also, um, before we had done, we only have a minute left, what would you eat for dessert? <laughs> We've been talking about a lot of things that make my mouth water because I love healthy food, but what is your favorite healthy dessert? Well, I'm glad you put healthy in there because my favorite dessert has some dark chocolate in it, uh-huh. especially dark chocolate with nuts, but not too much. But my uh-huh. favorite healthier dessert is fresh fruit, and I especially like blackberries, loganberries, marionberries, olala berries. A lot of those are available yeah. up there. Put some coconut on it. Hey, what do you think about yeah. coconut? And coconut oil. You know, oil. coconut's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Coconut itself is good yeah, stuff. I've been and studying a little bit about a coconut, and there's something that's low in carbohydrates. It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you. Um, I guess we have two minutes left. I, I have Great. two minutes left. But, you know, there's something I was going to share with the audience before I say goodbye with you on all of this. You know, um, uh, Doctor, you know, Earth will only continue to change, and, and we all know this. And to survive the life for the attorney, for all these people and generations to come, we have to make these lifestyle changes, and it's fun. It's like, look how much fun I had with you today. I enjoyed every minute of it. And in our current global environment, it's going to be only realistic to predict that many uh, that people are going to want to learn more about how to be healthy, and if people are healthy, they're going to get along better and be aware of our Earth and its position in the universe and the solar system and what our responsibility is, doctor, to live here and be for the future to with the fresh water and 
and think about what's best for all and leave this earth as immortality of each person. And that's what you were talking about today. That's how I picked up on your passion and the way you like to live and what you're teaching and sharing with the world out there, all the way from Santa Rosa, all over the world. (laughs) Well, thank you for the opportunity to share this really important information. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and if they want to find you, they'll go to www.blogtalkradio.com, Dr. Dave, D-A-V-E-S, Dr. Dave. Right, blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Dave S. Okay. And you can find me on Facebook if you look for To Your Health with Dr. Dave. You'll find me, and you can uh, like me if you want, and I'll look forward to meeting new people online. Let's do it again someday. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Well, Earth does have a secret. You just listen to it. Embrace your life, every precious moment. But Earth is whispering, as I've said with every show, do not say goodbye. You've got so much to learn and so much to do. You will be immortal, and you'll leave that footprint behind. I want to thank you for listening. Have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 